Thank you for listening to We Have Ways of Making You Talk. Sign up to our Patreon to receive bonus content, live streams and our weekly newsletter with money off books and museum visits as well. Plus early access to all live show tickets. That's patreon.com slash we have ways. Achtung, achtung. Welcome to We Have Ways of Making You Talk with me, Al Murray and James Holland. And this is our second... Uh, I mean, this is this is quite fantastic that we are, again, talking to um, the legend that is Brian Johnson, um, who whose family history and family uh, interest in the Second World War is basically... Well, we could talk about this forever. So here we are with part two. Uh, welcome back, Brian. Ah, it's good to be here. <laughs> so, I mean, no, it's well, good to still be here. I just want to. I just want to. I just want to. I, I, I I'll just paint the picture for those listening at home. We're in a we're in a, a beautiful townhouse in uh, central London by the River Thames. Traffic going by the old helicopter because they have to fly over the river. And Brian is clutching a notepad with a list of questions for James Holland. Um, uh, in in part one, if you listen to it, we covered. Uh, Brian's own experience in the Territorial Parachute Regiment. Um, Amazing stuff. W- well, and I went. I remember going to see my dad jump out of balloons in the, uh, early, yeah, yeah. In the early 70s. Uh, and that whole thing of the bloke going, we're just going to let a gentle breeze in now and they open uh, the gate. Yeah, <laughs> well, do you know what? My, my, my just-turned-13-year-old daughter, Daisy, she is absolutely desperate to parachute. And really? she's seriously yeah. thinking about... She can't decide whether she wants to be a farmer or whether she wants to join the parachute regiment and become a red Join devil. the parachute regiment. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the cow's lead. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think you're right, and I think she might. But 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 I, mean, I have sworn I've sworn solemnly that on her 16th birthday we will do a jump together. Oh, and, and, she, and good she's, for she's you. wanted to do this since she's about six, and nothing has changed in the intervening uh, years. And now it's getting quite close. So we've only got three years well, to go. Well, 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 it's like me this year. I get to fly in the Spitfire. Oh, you, know, you? You're finally doing yeah, it. Well, uh, yeah. Me, I bought it for us like three years oh, ago, well, and every well. time, you know, something's happened. Oh, like it's great! Oh, it's amazing. So it is amazing. a real treat. Kind of weird. You know, nothing is so it. You, you will not be disappointed. It's one of those no, things no, there where no. you think, oh, is it going to be as good as it's cracked out to be? Yes. Last time, just important things come up. The last time it was, I had to rearrange my fridge magnets. That was a hell of a thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. so, so, Brian, w- w- we, we covered your father joining yes. up, going to yeah. North Africa, his abortive, his abortive trip home. Um, at, at, but where do you want to start today? You, we, again, like I well, said, it's just, you know, the, the, you know, the boys on the ground had it... Uh, Really bad. They were tough. They were great. I loved them and all that. But the but the air force. Uh, I think there was a man called Cunningham that you uh, yeah. quite really thought he was the guy. And uh, if this is true, what he, I mean, what he did was with with the aircraft he had. And let's face it, here we go again. Can we have Spitfires? No, no, no. We're, we're going to send some. <laughs> Some Some rubbish old hurricanes. Old, old hurricanes. Yeah. With, oh, and by the way, we'll fix this big hunk on the front. That'll slow them down just a bit more than that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, because we haven't quite got... And it just went on and on and... Uh, Blenheims, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know and well, because bow fighters, which obviously developed from Blenheims, were absolutely yeah. the business. I mean, uh, they were... Uh, bow fighters were one of my favourite uh, Yeah, but bow fighters, the same, mosquitoes. My yep. dad's favourite plane in the whole wild, whole wide world in the war was the P-38. Like, oh, yeah, the lightning. Because he was stuck 
in Sicily, was mm. it? Or, I can't remember. There were lots of lightnings they in Sicily. They were just stuck there, and they, they just didn't want to, you know, they, they were pressed down by the Germans. And this, yep. this squadron came, and, and unusually, you know, there was an old saying in the Second World War, when the Luftwaffe come over, you know, we've all heard it, you know, we duck when the American Air Force come, everybody freaking ducks. <laughs> you know, and... and and my dad said, these guys were brilliant. They just came and strafed the yeah, shit yeah. out of this and they saved my life. And that was his favourite. And, you know, but the thing about the Spitfire, it just got better and better and better and better. Yeah. It really... But, you know, the, the the one I wanted to tell you, you know, because I know you've done a brilliant book on, the, you know, on the Battle of Britain and all that, but there was a plane called The Bolton Paul Defiant. Oh, <laughs> now... Yeah. You know, now, now the way I get the story is, right, chaps, that, that, don't put any guns on the front of it. We'll, thought, said, we'll put a big fucking turret on the back. <laughs> we'll four guns on. And maybe we can fool them to come in. What the fuck are you talking about? It's half the speed of a 109, but don't worry about that because they're not now what you are. <laughs> and, uh, and so... We'll send we'll send them to a small rear. I think the first one was like we'll go over to France and bomb some docks or something. I think three came back. I think yeah, yep. the defiance and the ferry battles. They were the yes, two total dogs. I mean, they just they it, just how didn't they pass work. the exams to get in. Well, it, it's strange, isn't it? Because because they're they're all they're all Merlin engine, aren't yep, they? Yeah. So there's obviously someone's decided we've got this brilliant engine. And uh, and it's performing well on single engine yeah. fast fighters, and they stick it on planes that are only going to end up slower. It's it's. But you it's, know, every time I hear it, you know, well, there's only t- you know, there's only ten ten were shot down. No, no, that's twenty guys. Yeah, yeah. that's twenty men, twenty yeah. young men who've you trained up and spent you know at least fortune. minimum of nine months training. Well, how will we fix this? Well, let's send another twelve, shall we? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And off the go. And the only time they stopped using them, and there was no more pilots left, and nobody would get in them. You know, I'm not getting in them. I mean, those bomber crews the, the, uh, in 1940, the battle crews in particular, inc- at least incredibly brave, because it's, oh, it's just endless. It's suicide mission after suicide mission. And, I mean, is that like you say, how do you get these people to get in their, no. in their planes? I, 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 absolutely. And brave, brave men are just, you know, people say, oh, it's uh, LMF. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, moral yeah. fiber. I would say, lucky motherfucker. That's what I would say. <laughs> you can fucking, you know. At least he's in the way, you know. But, but Brian, let me let me <laughs> let me just say, say. But I mean, you know, talk about the more positive thing because um, you, you're right about Cunningham. So, so for yeah. those who don't know, what happens is is Tedder, who has been at the Air Ministry, Air, Air Chief Marshal's Officer Tedder, has been at the Air Ministry yes. up until the middle of 1941. Then he's sent over to become. Air Officer Commanding, AOC, uh-huh. RAF, Middle East. Aye. And about a month later, I think he goes over in July 1941, yes. a month later or, or so, early September, um, Air Vice Marshal Arthur Cunningham goes over. And he's he's had a bomber group, actually, in, yeah. in the UK, yeah. but he's been a fighter pilot in the First World War. He's done all sorts of pioneering routes um, and and flying and, and stuff in the, in the 1920s and 1930s. And he's actually, he's, he's Australian-born. His father was yep. a test cricketer and a complete rogue. He went to prison. Uh, and they emigrated to New Zealand. And so he, he started being called Maori um, Cunningham. And then it kind of changed to Mary. Uh-huh. And it's really funny because Mary Cunningham, as he was always known, uh-huh. actually quite liked the nickname. 
Uh, but he was this big, beefy guy with big, hairy forearms and, uh, and you know, charisma that filled a room. And, and you know, he's yeah. totally macho, alpha male type, but like being called Mary. Uh, but but <laughs> don't hold it against him because no, he no. and Ted got together and they realised that actually what they needed to do was completely rethink how how air air power can support directly ground troops yeah. because in the 1930s you've got the RAF all developing mm-hmm. into these what we would call a strategic air force so you've got bomber command which operates on its own you've got yes. fighter command which operates on its own you've got coastal command mm-hmm. all operates on its own and they hadn't really given too much thought to how you support ground troops so they had the advanced air striking force and things in France in 1940 but they hadn't kind of worked out any specific doctrine for it or anything yeah. like that so it's not until that summer of 1941, autumn of 1941, when Tedder and Cunningham get together that they right. start to really kind of work it out. And one of the big things that they absolutely insist upon is that they decide the targets. Uh-huh. So the army says, we'd really like you to take out that, that, that tank concentration of tanks, uh-huh. which is just over the other ridge, if you want. And they'll say, OK, we might do, we might not, because there might be a whole load of other targets mm-hmm. 20 miles behind the enemy lines that need dealing with first, which is more important. Right. But... They also organise the whole structure of it and how they operate and how they administer it. And one of the innovations that Cunningham says is my Desert Air Force, which is what he's in command of, should have its headquarters next door to 8th Army's headquarters. And everyone goes, oh, I never thought of that before. (laughs) Uh, uh, But it's actually a really good idea. But Auchinleck doesn't do it. He says, no, I don't think that's that's necessary. And it's not until Montgomery takes over in the middle (coughs) of August and Alexander comes in in August 1942 as commander of the Middle East that they go, okay, yeah, actually, that is a really good idea. But in that intervening time, at the fall of Tobruk on, on... uh, June the 21st, 1942, through to the retreat to the Alamein line and the battles of that, which I think start around the kind of 4th, 5th of July, something like that. In that two-week period, Aye. is the Desert Air Force that saves 8th Army from annihilation. Yes. As they're streaming back, what happens is because of this new organisation of where they sit, they have this kind of leapfrogging system where you have lots of little landing grounds. Yep. And what happens is, you know, Johnny in his, in his 112 Shark Squadron takes off all the ground crew then bugger off back to the next landing ground, yeah. 10 miles further uh-huh. back. And when they finish hammering the Italians and the Germans, 112 Squadron then goes back to the next airfield. And yeah. what that means is you, you can increase yeah. your combat, your time over the combat zone. And you can just hammer the, um, the, the, uh, the Panzer Army, Rommel's mob, mm-hmm. all the time. And then at night, you've got bombers, you've got your Wellingtons and your, mm-hmm. you know, your Beauforts and all the rest of it, and Mitchells. They're all coming over and hammering them as well. And it completely slows them up, and it means that 8th Army can retreat back to the Alamein line and yeah. get there and regain their balance, and they never go backwards again. Brilliant. Ever. I mean, that's brilliant in the way you described it. But also in your book, you did say yeah. that the Americans didn't take a lesson from that. Well, they do eventually. They did eventually, but yeah. when the first battles, they yeah. got a right tatering. You know, yeah. they got a right pasting. Yeah. And I think you mentioned that, you know, because they should have learned, of course, innovative things like that. Yeah. You know, you, you know the, like the Germans would have jumped all over that. Right? This is standard order. We all do it. Every commander must pay, pay attention. And you're right, in the early days, it was tough for us. There was different countries, different... You know, uh, all but you, you see them in that in that summer of 1942 is when the, when they start to get their shit yeah. together. Yeah, yeah. That is, you know, and it, it's no coincidence that that is the last time they yeah. retreat. You know, from then on, the British Army has an absolute point of never retreating. Yeah, because also retreat is costly yeah. and it and it damages morale because if you've just fought and you've lost all your mates yeah. fighting that and then all you're going to do is pull back again. Yeah. 
You know, know. It's, it's, it's not great. So that's another reason. But what you do see over Tunisia is suddenly Cunningham takes over as the, as the North African Tactical Air yeah. Force commander. Yeah. And his number two is a guy called Larry Cuter, who's an American. Yeah. And he just totally gets it. Yeah. And he then writes the post-war United States Air Force Doctrine. Doctrine uh, and that is all origin, you know, the yeah. origin of that goes back yeah. to Mary Cunningham in the summer of 1942. And, you know, you're saying getting all together, it, it, you know, the, the, the posts and all that, but you did write this great bit about this American commander, this general, and I can't bloody remember his name, who was busy digging an underground oh, command. Oh, Friedendorf. Friedendorf. He was... Useless. Yes, well, <laughs> he was absolutely <laughs> awful. He, he had about how well, He must have had a hundred men. Oh. I mean, you couldn't just go. And, you know, because this was rocky. He wanted a whole. You couldn't make it up. You no. couldn't make it. He was so shit. It wasn't true. But but they got rid of him. You know, yeah. and and again, you know, in in Tunisia, you see Patton, you see Bradley, you know, you see some of these um, um, Truscott, some of these. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they're all coming to the fore at this time yeah. uh, and starting to kind of. Yeah. Uh, isn't get tested it, in battle. Yeah, isn't it true that Napoleon did say? He said, I don't care how good or bad my generals are, just give me lucky ones. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was, yeah. Just yeah. give me a lucky general. But you sort of make your own luck, don't you? Of course you do. You know, the harder you work, the luckier you get. You know, it's, it's the same old thing. And, uh, you know, somebody told me, I'm sorry to jump from there, but it was war movies. And oh, now you guys. We love talking somebody about war movies. Somebody said, yeah. you hate war movies. <laughs> well, lads, there's one scene in the Dam Busters yeah. that I think is the greatest scene in any war movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and it's just the bit before they get in the planes. It's silent. There's no music. And just noises like doors opening. And it's tense. And it's good, you know, and it's just as they're getting in and they're, they're sitting down, it's just noises like, you know, that nobody says a word. Yeah. Which is exactly probably how it would have yeah, been. Yeah, it's brilliant. That scene in particular is, is brilliant. Yeah. And I think the scene right at the end where he says, right, I'm going to go write some letters now. Yeah. Where, where the film says that's the cost and, and, and it's really poignant. And I, I, I'd, I'd agree. I mean, I think that those moments in that in the, uh, in the Dan Busters, they're just brilliant. They're brilliantly yeah. handled. And the frigging music, and I know the name of the guy, and I've forgotten it again because that's what happens when you're old and deaf. I can't uh, remember his name. Eric Coates wrote the Dan Eric Coates. March. Just absolutely Stunning. Well, I mean, everyone loves a damn. So, damn so, sorry, I jumped straight no, 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 that no, because no, I was, that's what we're here for. So after 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 Sicily, your dad did he then go in, into Italy? <coughs> Hold on yes. a minute. Can I just ask, ask one yeah. thing, for you, Brian? Do you, do you know which battalion your dad was in? Oh, I, I don't. Because I, I, I reckon if he was in, I reckon if he was in Sicily, he must have been in the sixth, eighth, or ninth. My dad's, my brother Morris has his pair book, which means he would have so, been in Primasoli Bridge. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. all I know is we got me me daughter Joanne went after he died now and she found all his diaries. And wow. there was all these no. terrible sad things and it just went uh, sent uh, Chalky and uh, Billy over to uh, you know just check out the thing. Uh, next day Chalky and Billy haven't returned yet. Feel bad. Found Chalky and Billy bullets in the back of the head. Oh, you know, and and it was just you know didn't want to, and it was awful. And there's another one going, moving on tomorrow, no more Lola in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> that was good, you dirty old bugger. <laughs> he must have been 
he must have been given that Lola one, you know, on a regular <laughs> basis. That's and, uh, amazing. And it was just these lovely little, you know, he wasn't, as I say, he was not a, a, a he, 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 he wasn't a very loving man. He was, he was a, that's not fair to say. He was, he was loving. He was a he was, Yeah, he was just a straight shooter. Yeah. And he just uh, loved to, uh, you know, just to, you know, he was proud of what his, his sons did and all that, and, and he was proud of the army and all that. I remember I had a vicious fight with him once. It was about two years before he died, and we were talking about something, and I said, "Geez, Dad, well, he was talking about Dieppe or something," and he went, oh, "I was a great, great, one of the greatest victories we ever had." I said, "Dad, what are you talking about?" I said, "It was a friggin' mess." I said, "It was, it was a tragedy. It was a." cock up of monumental proportions and he went well, you, well, you weren't there you, the, we did what we're supposed to do that's the trouble with you young and, you just, and I said no 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 that just was like six thousand Canadian dead or something like that you know prisoners it was a total catastrophe well bugger you and your modern thinking you weren't there but, but, and, and he stormed off to the bedroom and I just went so the next day I said dad and I got you know all the old footage I could find on video and and interviews with Mountbatten and all of that, and he just wouldn't watch it. He just wouldn't watch it. He said, "I don't want to see it." He wouldn't. Wow. He, he, you know, he just wouldn't be turned. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. As yeah. far as he was told, that uh, that Dieppe had it wasn't a success, but it had done what it set out to do to test. The, yeah, the yeah, but he was—he would have probably. I don't want to put thoughts into it. it give him thoughts that I don't know yeah. are true. But but I suspect what might have happened is that for him, he probably felt okay. So Sicily, when it came, was actually pretty successful. Yes, and and we'd learned some lessons from Dieppe. So that sacrifice wasn't for anything. Well, yeah, but, but it's, it's still an awful lot. It was a lot. It's, yeah, yeah and was, you and I know it was yeah. a complete fiasco. But, well, but, but, it, but I'm thinking from his point. His perspective, maybe. Yeah. maybe. Well, from Sicily, he went to the... Uh, he landed at Natuno, yep. next to the Anzio. And we have a friend in America, mm. Billy Kelly. He painted these... Part of US Fifth Corps. Paintings. And his father was in Anzio, so now we call ourselves the Sons of Anzio. That's... It's what club oh, was... God, that's whiskey. Like a band name. Yeah. At 5.30 every night, old-fashioned. Oh, to drink to the, uh, that's fantastic. To, uh, the sons of Anzio. Have you ever uh, been there? Yeah. Have you ever been there? Oh uh, yes. Uh, well, I'll never forget me dad. I said he was not a, a you know a man for tears or anything, and and he said, and we took him there, and he wanted to go to the graveyard at Natuno. And so we went, and you know, as I said, my father spoke Italian to my mother all his life. There was no English spoken in our house. And he uh, went to the guy on the gate who spoke perfect English as well. He, he, my dad just went, you know, a private thing, a corporal, and, and a few, you know, and he put his names. And he said, si, signore, uh, you know, start, you know, turn left, and, and it's number four. And he gave him a little map, and my dad went, thank you. And my dad marched off, you know, and and he, you could see he was just, you know, it's going through the, the stones and and me and my brother Morris were going, oh, you know, we're really feeling this. And he stopped, you know, and turned, 
still get choked up thinking about it. And yeah. he bowed his head, and he wouldn't move. And and, and these were his pals. Yeah, yeah. These were his pals. Uh, that good killed you. And uh, and he marched back. And he said, "I need a whiskey." And I said, "Good friends, Dad." And he went, "Good men." That's all he said. God. And marched past. And I just went, "God damn it!" You say I can't even share mm, that because we yeah. would never get anything. The feeling like that, you know. Yeah, yeah. And what makes me sick these days is when people are, they're warriors. You know, he's a milkman, isn't he? Yeah, I know, but he's, he delivered the milk through the COVID thing. He's a warrior. Yeah, yeah. fuck off. <laughs> 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 it's so easily used, yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those lads, you know, yeah. we don't even know because half of them won't tell you. If you see an mm. interview on television, I'm sure, James, you've done some of them with these old lads who probably haven't talked about all their life, but they're now in their 80s, early 90s, and they want to... One last time, please yep. tell us what happened. And you see and you watch them and they're talking and, and, you know, they all know the heroes died. You know, the ones that died were the heroes. They just were lucky enough to... That's what they think. Yeah. And then at the end of these things, you always just see the eyes. Mm. You know, when they think back to them young faces that were just the pals back then yeah. and they were just snuffed out just like that. It's 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 well, the, it's thing, a, it's the, a, the, the know, thing I always think is when I was 19, I was off to uni, oh I was chasing yeah. girls, crashing uh -huh. my dad's new car. Totally feckless. Um, you know, totally feckless. Uh, good, good, good for nothing, really. And, uh, and never had any of those kind of demands made of me. And, I, and that's no. the other thing. When you see these old boys and you think... Yeah. yeah. God, I had it easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, how yeah. lucky am I to yeah, have completely. not had to experience any of that? I mean, I remember last year at the um, at the, the D-Day 75th, and uh, it was there at, at Bio at the cemetery. Oh, I wish and I we, and we'd, we'd, we'd done all the kind of the chit-chat and stuff, and all the crowds were dispersing and stuff. And, I'm, and I went into the, into the cemetery, and there was an old guy, and I got hailed by the guy who was pushing the wheelchair, and we got, we got chatting. And the old guy with his medals uh. and everything... And, um, and he said, uh, so I've just found a, a, a grave of a mate of mine, a lad who, he said, I haven't seen it since, you know, I've never seen it before, but, but this lad, he said he was, um, he was only 20 years old. And, uh, and he said, I remember it really, really well what happened because, um, he said he, we, we were in the, we were in, it was in Normandy and, and he just suddenly, we'd been mortared and mortared and mortared. He said the mortars are just coming over and he suddenly, he just lost it and he stood up and he yelled at the Germans and ran towards them and they cut him down. He said oh, he just had enough. God. And then we got chatting and he said, um, and uh, he said, uh, I'm going to be 100 in November. And... And I said, well, congratulations. I said, you know, you look amazing for it and I hope you, I hope you make it all right and all the rest of it. And then it was this, just this weird silence where I knew we were all, everyone there, there was like four of us, we were all, including this old boy, we were all uh, thinking the same thing. He had had an extra 75 years. Uh, yeah. I, I know. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's wonderful. I mean, it, that these guys got through, but it's sad, you know. Oh, that that's awful. It never leaves I felt them. really choked. I really yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, I kind of, no, I kind of, sort of wander it off. It never leaves them all their life, you know, through their young life, you know, having their babies and getting them nights where they sit in the cunt, but they're just not as demonstrative as today's people, you know, but yeah. most soldiers, even the soldiers in the army, I know a lot of the guys, a lot of them special forces and things, and just very, very, you know, 
pretty secretive or quiet about yeah. what they do because they don't want to brag about the fact that you know they're, they're going to be you know defending us and it t- sometimes it takes dirty shit to do yeah, you know yeah, yeah. You, 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 peace isn't cheap yeah So we've got to get these boys to gun out and do it for us, you know? Okay, we're going to take a break now. We'll see you in a tick. Hello, it's James Holland here. And on the very odd chance you've missed it, I've got a new book out, Sicily 43, about the epic 38-day battle that raged in July and August 1943. It's a story that involves breathtaking action at sea, in the air and on land. Its conquest involved airborne operations, daring raids by special forces, the harnessing of the mafia, attacks across mosquito-infested plains, assaults up almost sheer faces of rock and scrub, and featured an astonishing array of highly colourful characters, and all to a backdrop of relentless heat, dust, mosquitoes, and truly brutal terrain. There's a special edition with extra content at waterstones.com, but you can also get it at Amazon, an array of supermarkets, or any of those wonderful independents that are dotted around the country. Thank you for listening, and grazie mille. I'm Anthony Scaramucci, former White House Director of Communications and Wall Street financier. And I'm Katty Kay, US Special Correspondent for BBC Studios. I've been covering American politics for almost three decades. Welcome to The Rest is Politics US, brought to you by Goalhanger. Go on, tell us, were those donations you made, like Obama in 2008, was that idealism? Were you hoping to get something out of these campaigns that would serve your own business interests, for example? So I think this will either make this podcast incredibly successful, Caddy, or people (laughs) will be horrified and they'll shut it off right now because I'm going to be very real with you. The Obama donation, I had gone to law school with President Obama. We were not classmates. I was a few years ahead of him. It was 2007. It was then Senator Obama. I had a check in my breast pocket. I went over to the senator. I said, Senator, I said, you and I didn't really know each other in law school, but I'm about to hand you a big check. Can I lie to my friends and tell them that you and I knew each other in law school? (laughs) Well, Obama looks at me, had the best smile in American politics since Jack Kennedy. Forever. Yeah. He lights up. He looks at me and says, I'll tell you what, if you double the amount of the check, we'll take it back to Hawaii. Okay. And I looked at him. I said, you're done. I had another check in my pocket. I ripped it up. I doubled the amount of the check. And I'm going to tell you right now, I've been to more White House Christmas parties during the Obama administration than the Trump administration. In this pivotal year for the United States, democracy and world affairs, Britain's biggest podcast, The Rest is Politics, is launching stateside. Uncovering secrets from inside the Biden and Trump inner circles and how they shape the world's most important economy, but also the global economy too. New episodes are released every Friday morning. Just search The Rest is Politics US wherever you get your podcasts. Now, Brian, you, you, uh, you've alluded to it several times. Your, your dad's speaking Italian, only Italian spoken in your yep. house. So, but, so is this, how, how on earth did that happen? Is it, well, it, you know, I mean, it's not Lola in the afternoon, is it? It's no, someone no, else. Lola in the afternoon, Lola, he was fucking good. It could have been. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, my mother fell in love uh, with Esther Maria Ottavia De Luca. Amazing. And she was uh, engaged to uh, a veterinary surgeon that the whole family, you know, of this 
uh, what veterinary surgeons, the new doctors, you know, they, they had uh, drug stores, you know, chemist shops, if we call them, yeah. Um, and they had all the horses the, from the uh, Italian Olympic teams, dressage, show jumping, you know, and it was all the whole Castilla Rosita, it was a big walled compound. There's peacocks in there to this day. And all the daughters who get married, they don't go anywhere. They just build a house in the compound. It's like frickin' Kennedy's. And my mom had the temerity to fall in love, you know, with an English soldier. And all her sisters, an English soldier, but they look like shite. They look like a bag of titties, you know, the uniforms. Uh, I mean, I didn't say that. I said in Italian, it sounds better. You know, Everything does. You know. And uh, so, you know, they said, well, you know, I'm an American. Look at the American. They're fucking smart as a butcher's dog. Now, these and they have better teeth. Yeah, they've got better teeth. They're tanned, they're tall, and they've got some coin. But she did look, she had, there's something about me, Dad, that she kept going in. And, um, and they got married um, in Italy. And uh, was it Umbria? Yeah. You know, it was funny because the story was, you know, my dad was Church of England. And of course, my mom was very, very Catholic. How good you not be? You know, and um, and my dad said, OK, I'll turn Catholic for you. So my old man goes to these lessons with a priest, you know, when they're going, you know, the teacher, the, the you know, and, and Christ come off the cross, had a fag, and then went back up again, <laughs> uh, you know, because he was, uh, and then he had a cup of tea, and, you know, and all of this. So you learn all his history, and uh, and somebody speared him for not having enough fags to go run, whatever, you know. And so, and he learned, and he went to the church that day, uh, and, and he was, you know, my ma's family were there, and they were going, oh, shit, and, and my dad was, had to kneel down in the thing, and he was just weird, you know, the priest, and, and the padre walked in, the captain, he went, John <laughs> screamed down this church, and my old mom went, Tension! Because my old mom, you know, just, yeah. this guy just walked up, he said, how dare you steal one of my flock? My old man said, your flock, he said, I haven't seen you since North Africa. <laughs> you just pop up here. You know, um, and uh, of course, and then the two of them went at it. The priest, and my dad looked at him and he said, God, my ass, and just walked out. And he said to me, Mark, come on, get out of here. And they ran away. And I got married the other side. You know, it was full wedding dress and everything. How amazing. Incredible. That's so romantic. Yeah. And, but even at the end when he was dying, the old man, this vicar come into the, to the room and he's got, would, would you like to give me you know, a few words? And the old man was, he couldn't talk because he had a stroke. He was going, no, no. And we had a system. One squeeze for yes, two squeeze for no. He nearly broke my frigging hand. <laughs> <laughs> And I said, I think you better leave now. Because my old, my old man, after being through the war, he knew there was no good. He just knew. And he just went, son, was skin and bone. And flesh and bone. That's, that's, he'd say that all through his life, for flesh and bone. And that's it. End of story. You know, if you want to believe something else, that's up to you. But keep it to yourself. Wow. And Amazing. he was just, Amazing. he was one of them. Man, he was a, a man of few words, but... Made him count. Uh, 
Oh, he was just, uh, I, I wish I could remember my story, but, uh, you know, he's just a lovely man. I miss him, I miss him, you know? Yeah. Mm. But, uh, yeah, but, but what about your mum? Me mum? Your mama. Oh, she was great. She came over and she just didn't know what to do over here. But me mum's story is fascinating. Me mum used to sit us, we say, mum, what was it like in Italy? And it was, wasn't it great? She went, oh, it was a very good son because, uh, you know, your grandfather, me grandfather was called Achilles. I get I, I'm, that was his yeah. name Achilles, and um, and it, uh, he grew. He had olive oil and wine things and stuff like that. That was his deal. He wasn't of the family, but anyway, my mother used to sit and go. He died very young because of the pneumonia. You know, he had the pneumonia. <laughs> and Amazing. but before he died, look at me and he was saying. You are my little twinkle star in the sky. And I began, oh, ma, look at you. And she went, that's good. So, three years ago, we're going on, and there's a big family reunion, which I couldn't get to. I think I was rearranging me frigid magnets again. <laughs> and, um, and ever there. And Andrea, one of the cousins, came up to my eldest daughter and said, Joanne, I have to tell you something. It's, it, you know, We've been lying to you all these years. And Joanne's going, what, what about, about Estherina's father, my great-grandfather? He said, uh, it, it's the three boys in the family, my mum's brothers, were all fascisty, black shirts. I mean, they thought Mussolini was the greatest thing, you know, anywhere. And uh, a lot of people did. And yeah. They were real fascisty, and now carrying these teeny little pistols, you know, with yeah, a yeah. black thing and all of that. And the fancy uniforms. Fancy uniforms. Uh, Achille had gone to America to make his fortune with his olive oil and his things. It didn't happen. Didn't happen. He came back embittered and a bit of a drunk, you know. And he started beating his wife, uh, Nona, and the sons had warned him. And they said, don't do this again, you know, because... He and then one day, the youngest one came in and he was just doing this. And he walked up and just shot him in the back of the head, killed him dead. That's the truth of the thing. So oh, wow. Dear God. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Yeah, I know. Then at the end of the night, later on, about two or three hours later, a black car came with three uh, fascisti black shirts in it. Got him, said, get your bag, get whatever you got. Took him down to the docks, put him on a ship, and they sailed him to South Africa. And I think he died in 1972. And Andrea, his daughter, just said, we, we have to tell you. It's just, you know. Whoa. And she started crying, and my daughter again, fucking wow. You know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, talk about a bombshell. But... You know, that was that was before the war. Yeah, yeah obviously, yeah. that was before the war. But during the war, that compound was, you know, mom went down and worked as a stenographer in the German uh, headquarters. Yeah, and she took... Because that's where well, the customer's headquarters was just, was in that Frascati area. Yeah, and so she would she would get any little bits of information and pass it on to the underground and all that. No! But her farm, wow. her farm, under the chicken run, unbeknownst to the brothers, this was the women who did it, the, the, there was a hide where they'd put all the downed, uh, you know, the, 
the underground would bring all the down pilots and hide them under there for a couple of days. And then from there, uh, they would I've march them either up to, uh, to, to Switzerland, you yeah. know, to, to get out of Tunin. And, and it, it was a fast gun. I was going, geez, my, these guys were busy, weren't you? And she said, oh, it was fun. There's some, some very nice pilots. <laughs> <laughs> very nice. Uh, English men are very polite. Very polite, wow. you know, oh, nice. um, oh, and incredible. so you know all these lovely stories that you grow with. That you know, you just went ah bollocks, you know. I mean, but the the more information from the cousins is because we're still in touch, a very close family, and, and it's uh, and it it happened to them. It was nothing because Italy was just still a kind of fun place. You know, people were just, you know, the Germans are right, who gives a shit, you know. Yeah. Just, you know, they're, they're still going to eat with pasta. You know, the restaurants were still full, you know. Well, that was the big beef of the Germans, that, that you know, the Italians were constantly saying, oh, we need this, we haven't got enough of that, we haven't got this, but every time they went to Rome, everyone was having an absolute party. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the Frascati was yeah. the least of it. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, it was beautiful. And, of course, up there as well, uh, the Wallace and Simpson yeah. lived in Frascati too. Did they? Absolutely. They had a beautiful house there, uh, just down from the family house. Beautiful, stunning place. That's, well, that's where that. they were. I didn't know that. Oh, yep. Wow. But I mean, I, you know, when I, I was doing a, a when I did my book on Italy a while ago. Hang on, James. I, <laughs> I think I think I got a double eighteen there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, remember, I just remember talking to partisans one day. You know, former partisans, and then you'd be talking to former fascists the next day. Yep. And what was amazing about them was they were exactly the same. You know, they're all, you know, they laugh their heads off, yeah. moan, um, start gesticulating wildly. Both that, of them are all, all very charming, all very hospitable. You know, uh, I mean, you just felt they were... I, I mean, the, the, was, it, in, in many ways, sort of a lot of the differences probably... I mean, they, obviously, they were seen quite great at the time, but but was it not that But that the, the, the Italian prisoners themselves you were just... Couldn't be bothered, you know. No. Well, I thought this war would last maybe a couple of weeks, but bollocks to this, you know. I'm, I'm missing me food, yeah. You know, and then the Germans treated them, you know, with pretty much contempt and all of that, which you know, and they went out in some, you know, a bit like the British in some nasty, you know, aeromachi, you know, some of them aircraft, you know, they were pretty dodgy. Well, they weren't dodgy; they were fantastic in 1933. You know, when the first went yeah. out there, you know, but as the years went on, you know, governments get lazy and no, no, you've got some, you know, you know but, but we need new ones. Whew, you know, we'll see, we'll see what we've got, you know. It's the way of the world, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the Italians were broke. It's the, yeah, they were broke before it all started, that's the truth of it. And, they, and, yeah. and, 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 you know, they, were, they had quite a modern army if you're taking on the Abyssinians, but they haven't got a modern army if you're yeah. taking on the Brits. And, yeah. You told me, well, well, you didn't tell me. I read it in your book. <laughs> <laughs> now that I've met you, listen to me. Oh, yeah, James told me once. You know what? <laughs> no, but I know uh, how you uh, feel. The, the general, you know, you know the general, uh, the Italian general who said that, Mussolini, you know, he listen, was he Graziani? Or, uh, Graziani, uh, yeah. You know, you can, Rodolfo. Yeah, there's just nothing. We, you know, we're kind of... And, and here was this man. He was almost Trump-like, wasn't he? El Duce. Oh, but very, know, very yeah. similar. Yeah. You know, we got in, in, in fact, the two of them were very erratic, 
kept changing his mind, you know, well, yeah. well we're not gone. Well, we're gone. Am I going to be left behind mm. by the Allies? Yeah. And also just by, by the Germans, because I need a bit of this as well, mm. you know. Yeah. And all he got was basically, you know, the slag heap. You know, Afghanistan. Yeah. You know, we went in there, you know, the Germans were taking this land with, you know, fabulous, you know, you know, oil and all of this kind of shit. I'm sure the Afghans have got oil somewhere. Just haven't friggin' found it yet. Am <laughs> 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 I getting political? <laughs> Only a little, but you know, it's fine. Well, that's all right. We, we, could cope, we could cope with that. So, so Brian, your dad's, your dad. When was it? When were they married? In 1945. So once the war had ended, or uh, so yeah, yes, at the end. Of, I think was it was it 45, early 46. I think it was 45. Yeah, the end of 40. So he was part of the sort of um, post-war reconstruction effort. You said uh, well, well, on. yes, he, he he was, and I remember uh, one of his pals at the Dunstan Social Club said, uh, you know, it was if you did stay on. You know, you, you got, you, you know, you got. I think you got a little bit extra money as yeah. well because everybody wanted to get home. You know, everybody after four, just send me home. But my dad liked Italy, you know, um, and uh, and it was all shit. The food was nicey, but you know, there wasn't much there. But Rome was in a mess. You know, that it was. The Germans did leave it. You know, pretty much. You know, without. You know, when uh, I forgot the name of the general who was in charge of him, but he did uh, disobey orders when they said, right, level it. And he went, I'm, I'm not putting my name down to that, you know, level in mm. the greatest city in the world. And, and uh, but uh, the food and the supplies and yeah. you know, everything had uh, all broken down. And the German army was still holding out, you know. I mean, we, we, we never defeated those boys, did we? Uh, further up in Italy. Uh, well, no, they did. They, also, they did completely squad. surrender. They did completely surrender on the second of May. It was the first big yeah. surrender of all. But, yeah. but I mean, the interesting thing about that is the surrender, the first unconditional surrender of German armies was yeah. was on the second of May in Italy. Right. But you suddenly got a quarter of a million German troops still armed, and yeah. you've got the eighty fifth U.S. Infantry Division coming uh, up. So yeah. it's like fifteen thousand men, yeah, with all these Germans, and they, you know. They haven't laid down their their weapons, and it's all a bit tense. Well, that's in, what in I'd heard. It was it it and you know what I just heard that it just it was some areas. I mean, they had thirty thousand troops in Norway that never really surrendered, didn't mm. it? Was am I correct well, there? Or is, well, no, is they, 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 they do surrender, but they what, well, what, the rem, they, they send the remnants of First Airborne to um, yeah to to wind down. So what's yeah. left of the division from Arnhem? There's, there's, uh, there's a kind of to Norway yeah. to wind down the German army in Norway, yeah, and then Second Independent Parachute Brigade they go to Greece and deal with the uh, send all their airborne people around, all over. But yeah, I mean the, that. Uh, I mean, Spike Milligan uh, stayed in Italy at yeah. the same time as your father, and and then spent and spent two years entertaining the troops in the, 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 yeah, yeah. the trio he was in, mm-hmm. and his books are all about. I like the I like the weather. I don't really want to go home compared to here. No. I've got a job, um, and, the f- and the food's nice, and the girls. And he's, uh, yeah. his book, Goodbye Soldier, is all about how he falls yeah. in love with an Italian woman. Yeah, that's right. And, and wants and to he, stay he goes, for her. And he goes for dinner with her. That's in right. this rooftop restaurant. And he walks and he's gone, and the roses, and the wine, and the <laughs> air. And then in came fucking, you know, yeah. when 
Maria, she's called. Not, not. Sally, Sally, <laughs> pride of a rat. He's going, oh, God, she's not going to sing, is she? <laughs> <laughs> What's her name again? Uh, uh, Gracie Fields. Gracie Fields. He, he really went, hates Gracie Fields. He went, oh, Gracie Fields. Oh, God, please don't let her sing. Please. And the crazy boy's going, Gracie, Gracie, we love you. <laughs> and... Uh, and I don't know if she did or not. And he said he just wanted to look at this lovely woman. And, and he just looked at this woman. <laughs> I mean, it's awful yeah. to say that, but that was, you know, what she was favorite, famous for, you know. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, but he, he was, you know, he was a very funny man. And another hero, no brave yeah. man. He got all kinds of shit. His ears he fell off. Yeah. Uh, and he'd had a great one with Harry Seacom. You know, when they were getting into this, this gun, the field gun, had fallen off a cliff. And he went, oh, fuck. And he ran down to get the cliff. And Harry Seacom was one of the soldiers at the bottom. And he, he said, did you see a gun fall down here? And Harry Seacom said, what colour was it? <laughs> <laughs> and it's beautiful story. <laughs> and, that's when, and that's when he said... I'll have it. He's brilliant. Yeah, I yeah. like that. You know, what colour was it? That's brilliant. <laughs> it's, it's brilliant. So, you know, these friendships and things that started out of this carnage, it was just, just wonderful, you know. Well, but, well, Brian, I think we, we, I mean, we could talk about this literally forever. <laughs> yeah, no, but I feel like we've taken up a great deal of your precious time. Thank you so much. Have you got anything else you want to ask, James? No, no, no. I'm just going to say that uh, <laughs> we're, we're next door to do great scotch eggs oh. and, the, and the cheesy leek pies. Oh, oh they make you want to slap your mother. Now you're talking. <laughs> well, um, thanks everyone for listening and a huge thank you to Brian Johnson for um, inviting us into oh, his home. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Guys, it's thank honestly, it's a real honour to have you here. I've enjoyed your podcast and to be part of it is just a dream come true. Well, I, I, mean, grew, <laughs> I grew up on your music, so it's... Yeah, uh, you know, likewise. Yeah, so... What Pardon? A, what a privilege. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Thanks for everyone. Cheerio. Goodbye. Cheerio. Uh, cheerio, guys. <laughs>